we're talking to Gerald Wandiambira, acting CEO for the South African Savings Institute. Hello, Gerald. Okay, Gerald, the South African Savings Institute is a non-profit organization set up to encourage a culture of savings in South Africa. That's according to the website. Can you tell us a bit about it, when it started, and how you're actually going about getting people to save? Well, the South African Savings Institute was set up in 2001, and it was an initiative that was um, brainchilded or led by the then Minister of Finance, which was Trevor Manuel. And the real theory or thinking behind the Savings Institute was that the Asian tigers who were doing well at the time were countries that were built on a big domestic savings base. And we, or the minister at the time, felt that it was necessary for South Africa to start building its own domestic savings base. And the institute was set up as a vehicle to encourage and to educate South Africa's um, population on the merits of saving as well as hopefully to start creating that domestic savings base that can help to grow the economy. The institute was set up with three primary pillars. The first pillar was advocacy. Now, advocacy revolves around SASI being an intermediary or a mediator between the public, between government, as well as the financial institutions, so that we can have robust um, dialogue around savings and investment. So an example is one of the dialogues we have participated in over time is that which led to the creation of the um, South African uh, treasury, the treasury, the retail treasury bills, which went out, which are available at the post office. It was really a discussion where people wanted to access government um, instruments, and that's one of the discussions we facilitated. We've also facilitated other advocacy initiatives, such as July Savings Month, which is observed widely now as the month in which savings and investment is the topic um, in financial circles and in media. Our second pillar was around research, and research is around us setting up a library or a repository of information on savings and investment. So all theses, all academic papers on savings and investment, um, we are supposed to run this library so that information is freely available to South Africans, and then when accessed by international users, we'd obviously collect a small fee. And the third pillar is probably the most known pillar of the Savings Institute, which is around consumer education. Consumer education is around initiatives such as July Savings Month, our um, varsity education campaign, our, our festive season campaign, and also initiatives which we take on on an ad hoc basis with various partners. So with these three, three initiatives, SASI was set up in 2001, and we've been going strong since then. Okay, so some of the stats on your website caught my eye, but one thing in particular I found alarming. It's the ratio of debt to disposable income in South Africa has shot from 55% in 1991 to 78%. What's going on here, and is there any way that you can measure the impact of what you are doing at the Savings Institute? The, um, measuring the impact of the Savings Institute is difficult because we do not have products or solutions in which we can quantify that people are saving. However, all we can do is go by the South African Reserve Bank statistics. And yes, although you have noted that disposable, um, the, the, the debt to savings ratio 
uh, in South Africa is high. What we can say is that it's been coming down over the last four to five years quite considerably. I think it peaked at about 83% of um, household income in debt, and now it's come down to below 74%. So this has been a combination of both education as well as the reality that many people have been burnt in terms of being um, having default judgments or having listings against them. So we think that, yes, we can claim a little bit of the credit, but yes, we also do accept that a lot of the reduction in the debt is also uh, a result of a dwindling debt pool in that there are less people who qualify for, for, for debt um, because of the National Credit Act, which was amended to make it a little bit more difficult to access debt recklessly. Another statistics which you, you probably would have seen as well is the household um, savings to disposable income. For many years, South Africa was sitting on a negative percentage, and yes, we're still below 1% of disposable household income being saved, but at least we're now back in positive territory. Again, it's a result of a lot of people realizing that either they don't qualify for debt anymore and they're starting to save, or also we believe through wider knowledge around the need to save and invest. That, of course, is another stat that is put out by the National Credit Regulator on a monthly basis, and it shows that about four out of ten South Africans have an adverse credit listing. So that means that they're either, I think it's three or more months in arrears on a bill, or they have some judgment or some adverse listing there that puts them on that database. That has also been coming down. In, in other words, it's, it's been improving. There, there are less and less people appearing on that database. But even so, at four out of ten, that's a lot of people in trouble. Well, yes, I think um, we, 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 we extended credits to most people without the education to back it. And the limited education we did have was from financial institutions who were educating with a purpose to sell. And that's why SASI sometimes is useful in that we are not tied to any financial institution, nor do we have a product. So our message tends to be a lot purer in terms of just having the motive of education as opposed to having um, a call to action attached to it. So yes, um, we believe that most people uh, have been burnt, but we also believe that the changes to the National Credit Act were very good in terms of um, penalizing financial institutions who, re- who lend recklessly and also allowing individuals who borrow to be properly vetted in terms of affordability. All right. So we often hear about how people in China and India save a high percentage of their monthly earnings, and there does appear to be a cultural factor at play here. Why are we in South Africa such poor savers? I think if you look at China, India, the one thing they don't have are compulsory retirement vehicles. So your savings is always your responsibility from day one. And I think that pressure alone encourages those populations to realize and value savings. The fact that we have compulsory retirement vehicles, pension funds, provident funds, deceives most people into thinking that they're actually saving or saving enough. The problem with these vehicles is that most people don't understand how they work. So ultimately, when they do retire, they do retire with less than they should have, mainly because they never got the education they needed prior to using that instrument. South Africa is also weak as a savings nation, even compared to our African peers. And I think it's a cultural thing. We are a consumption-led economy. Um, Technology, social media has not helped us in terms of improving 
our standing as savers. And that's why we need to simply keep getting that message out there that it is important to save and invest because the rainy days are becoming more frequent than they were in the past. And as we know right now, we are in that technical recession environment. Right. So economists are always reminding us that if we had more savings as a nation, our economic growth rate could shoot up to about 5%, which is what government wants to see anyway. That seems to be so far away from where we are now. So how do we go about getting that? If, if we had more savings, that capital could then be employed productively within the economy, and we would start seeing the kind of growth rates and the job creation that we need. But we really are a long way away from there. How, how do we get there? I think, um, you know, when it comes to economic growth rate, a lot of pressure has been pointed at the consumers. But however, the biggest uh, spender is actually the person who has the biggest capacity to save. So what we would need to really push our economic growth rate is to get government to start saving as they were doing prudently um, up till the the, the millennium um, in terms of getting them to, to start save more because the budget deficit is driven by government spending. Corporate South Africa is known as a great net saver. In fact, the bulk of the country's savings is sitting in corporates um, in South Africa. Yes, individuals can contribute to the savings culture, but in, by and large, in order to improve our domestic economic growth rate, we need to have government saving a lot more. In other words, cancel out that deficit. And also, yes, get individuals saving a little bit more into the compulsory vehicles available as well as voluntary savings. An easy way to get individuals to save more might be to make compulsory savings vehicles have to save a little bit more. But again, it's around freedom of choice and people wanting also to have that choice as to whether they save or not. Here's a bit of a curveball for you. What's the best financial advice you ever received? Best financial advice I ever received was I should start saving at 20 and I was shown the great amount I would have had when I'm 55 or 65. The best financial advice I ever had, except I got it in my mid thirties. <laughs> so that is excellent financial advice. And that's the advice we'd like to get to young people. And hence our, our varsity education campaign is very, very high on our initiatives because if you catch them before they are in in their mid-twenties, they can actually make all their savings goals happen because time is on their side. So, yes, um, savings needs to start early. That's the best advice I ever got. Unfortunately, I jumped onto the bandwagon perhaps a little bit too late, but I'm making amends. Okay. And what's the worst financial advice you've ever received or heard? The worst financial advice I ever received was that you must look like where you are going, i.e. dress the part and drive the car as where you want to be in 40 years' time. Um, Very bad advice, forced me to get into an expensive vehicle and into debt which I couldn't afford around upkeep and clothing, and that's really the advice that's prevalent amongst most young people. And social media doesn't help because when they see celebrities in vehicles and clothes, they don't realize most of the time these things are loaned to them for the photo shoot and most of us work hard and get into debt to try and emulate those examples so the worst advice is probably um, look at other people and try and be like them the, 
it's, it's, it's very bad advice in terms of setting, be, not being able to set your own individual financial and savings goals. All right. So w- when it comes to uh, retirement, millions of people are having to rely on family and to a lesser extent the state pension, which is about 1,700 rand a month. Final question. What advice would you give to people who are 15 or 20 years away from retirement and have little or no savings? Is it too late to start? I believe that it's, not, it's never too late to start in the sense that you cannot survive on 1,690 rand, which is the state grant a month. So it's never too late. You can start saving. The best advice for those people who are 15 to 20 years from retirement is to seek professional advice. So get, get and sit down with a professional um, financial planner and try and set some goals. And yes, you will have to sacrifice a little bit more, but you can still get on the right track in terms of having uh, a, a decent retirement, in terms of having some dignity in your retirement. However, the three things that will never change when you're saving and investing, which apply all through your life, are that saving and investing requires sacrifice in terms of giving up what you could enjoy today. Commitment in terms of realizing that your eyes must be set on the goal and discipline in terms of being able to do it over and over, month in, month out. And at times you might need to get some automation to help you with that discipline. You put those three things in play, even with 15 to 20 years to go, you can make it. All right. So we've been talking to Gerald Wandiambira, acting CEO for the South African Savings Institute. Oh, 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 oh,